When quidnunks screeve in hempen ha-has, and strange and tasteless words echo through the fjords. Whenever Liebig quivers where the Blattner phone is deathly still, that is the time when pooks are present, puttifying their ball-gooters with relish, semicolon, delight. Welcome, foolish listeners. To the haunted Shocktober episode of Low Definition. I am Steve Lutz, your host, <laughs> your gross host, and with me for this very eerie episode is a fun-sized assortment of Grim Gribber ghosts who've come out to socialize. So, um, let's meet them, shall we? Uh, of course, we've already met Tiffany Armit. She's been here a whole bunch. Hello again, Tiff. Hi. I'm just so thrilled that after years of no one playing Baldur, I mean, low definition with me. Don't call it that. that. Now <laughs> I That's have. That's a different game. <laughs> I, now I have a regular gig pretty much here, and I love you all so much. That's wow. That's not really in the spirit of Shocktober, oh, but right. that's cool. Sorry. Wait, let me go. Ooh. There we go. <laughs> oh, man. Shivers. I got shivers. Uh, Dan Morin is also back for the first time in a while. Welcome back, Dan. Uh, it's good to be here. The scariest part is that Jason's not here, so I don't know which answers to pick. Yeah, if you were looking for Jason, you just missed him. He was on the last episode looking for you. So uh, mm, yes. Two ships passing in the night. Uh, we have a, a couple of new players tonight. Our first new player comes to us via the unofficial win a spot on low definition contest, by which I mean she played Balderdash with Jason Snell and tied him for first place. She is Kathy Campbell. Howdy, Kathy. <laughs> oh, my Hi. Lord. Uh, good. I will record the Thank rest you. of this podcast from under the desk. Uh, I got to be honest, though, Kathy, tying with Jason is not really that impressive an achievement. <laughs> Wait I a know, second. I, I did that. Dan, Dan's done it. <laughs> if Dan can do it, well. Uh, that's fair. But I'm sure However, you'll be fine. However... Yeah, the rest of the the crowd was significantly behind both of us, so I don't know what that says about the group of people that we played against, but Hmm. we'll see how this goes. Well, uh, also new to Low Definition, but a member of the Incomparable family for what seems like a lifetime, it's Defocused Zone Joe Rosenstiel. Good evening, Joe. And a ghoulish, jubilandacious evening to you as well. Oh, wow. Throwing in the words from past episodes you weren't even on. That is impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm scared. Our third and final new player hosts a podcast called Solidly Mediocre, which suggests she should fit right in with this bunch. Please welcome (laughs) Quinn Rose. Hello there, Quinn. Glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm looking forward to being as mediocre as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you'll be in good company. The best at being mediocre. Mm. Yes, that is what I strive for. That is definitely something to strive for. Uh, And then, of course... There's Brian Hamilton. Brian, I admire your dogged persistence in the face of repeated defeat. Welcome back. Uh, Thank you very much. Tonight I'm excited to be as worse as ever. Spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that we're all in the spirit. uh, Oh, those players, by the way, were introduced in order of play as determined by Random.org. Random.org is so our algorithm, scary random it's. (laughs) <laughs> All right, gang, here are the spine-chilling rules of low definition. In each round, I will present you with an obscure word. In return, you will write me a definition for that word. 
If you think you know the correct definition, you can send me that, and you will score an easy three points. If you don't know the correct definition, you will send me a fake definition that you think will sound plausible to the other players. Once I have all of your submissions, I will read them, and you will each get a chance to guess which one is real. You get two points for guessing the real definition. You get one point for each player you fool with your fakery. Uh, the winner is the first player to get 18 points, or the first listener to turn off this podcast and find something better to do <laughs> with your time. Now, there is one creepy catch. If nobody guesses the correct definition in a round, I, your ghastly host, receive six points. Dun, dun, means, dun! Oh, whoa, whoa! That means you can only blow it three times before I win, and the rest of you suffer ignominious defeat. So, beware. <laughs> Beware. <laughs> so uh, lock your doors and windows, turn the lights down low, and uh, let's play some low definition. So uh, we'll start with round one, which is our tradition around these parts. And the word for round one is this. Maloic. Maloic. That's spelled M-A-L-O-I-K. Maloic. Please send me your definitions for the word maloic now. Ooh. Oh, they're coming in. This is the exciting part. This is the part where the definitions come in, and I look at them and I go, wow, definitions. <laughs> <laughs> the part where I remember how this game works. Yeah. All right. The definitions are in for the word maloic. I will read them to you now. Listen carefully. You have to decide which one of these is the real definition. Maloic. A Swedish goblin. A style of woodworking featuring a pattern of alternating light and dark wood. The subtle sound of wind whispering through a forest. A hand gesture made by heavy metal fans, also known as devil horns. Sickly and pale. The name for a dismal castle in Scotland. Or a boring person. Those are your options for the word maloic. You just need to tell me which one of those is real, and we will start with Tiff. Tiff, which one of those is maloic? <laughs> I'm going to go with sickly and pale. Sickly and pale for Tiff. All right. Dan, you're up next. What do you think? I, I'm also, I'm going to side with Tiff on this one and also go for Sickly and Pale. Okay. All right, Kathy, your first decision must be made now. Whew, no pressure. Um, I would like to go with the wood one. The wood one, the, uh, the style of woodworking the featuring a pattern of alternating light and dark wood? Yes. Okay. You got it. Joe. I am also going to go for the wood. All right. All right, Quinn, what do you think is a maloic? Um, I think I'm also going to go with the woodworking. Also going with the woodworking. Okay. And Brian, which one of those do you think is maloic? I'm going with the Swedish meatball. I mean, the Swedish goblin. <laughs> the Swedish goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Swedish Goblin it is for Brian. All right, everyone has made their choice. 
Why don't we start with the Swedish goblin, which uh, Brian thought a Maloic was? It was not. That was Joe's answer. <laughs> One point for Joe. Uh, Kathy, Joe, and Quinn all thought that Maloic was a style of woodworking featuring a pattern of alternating light and dark wood. In fact, no, that was Dan Morin's definition. Oh, so, oh, how's it, go? how's it going, everybody? Damn it. Speaking of Dan, he and Tiff both thought that Maloic was another word for sickly and pale. In fact, that was another word for a definition that Brian Hamilton came Ooh. up with. So two Woo! points for Brian. Good job, Brian. Oh, yeah. That means that in the <gasps> first round, oh, my no, God. No. I have received six points. That is so spooky. I'm creeped out right now. Oh, my gosh. Because nobody guessed correctly that Maloic is the word for a hand gesture made by heavy metal fans, also known oh. as devil horns. <laughs> I'm making a hand gesture right now. Wait, so if you get if you get six in three rounds, so you've gotten six you will get six six six, therefore making this the spookiest podcast ever. Oh boy. Man, I'm freaked out right now. We better move on to round two before I lose my nerve. So uh, after round one, who's in the lead? This guy with six points. (laughs) And two thumbs. Uh, in second place with three points is Dan. In third place with two, Brian Hamilton. In fourth place with one is Joe. The ladies all have nothing, but it's early times yet, so let's move Gotta on step it up. to round yeah. two. Alrighty, the word for round two is Qualtalk. Qualtalk. That is spelled Q-U-A-L-T-A-G-H. Qualtalk. Please send me your definitions for Qualtalk now. Are these all going to be spooky? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that would Whoa. be giving it away. It is Shocktober, after all. Mm. So do hmm. I make my answer spooky or not spooky? Well, that is the question. This is some mind games right here. That's right. Yeah. It's like a psychological thriller. Well, it's definitely psychological. I don't know about a thriller yet. (laughs) Okay. 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 All of the definitions are in for the word. Qualtalk. I will now read them. Qualtalk, a coven of four witches in 17th century New England, a river demon from ancient Ireland, an archaic Gaelic word for a cemetery near Swampland, a sealskin cloak used by the indigenous people of northern Canada. Yeah, we don't have any Canadians on this episode. That's what's missing. Oh, they are spooky. The first person one encounters after leaving one's home. A group of 4,000 things. Or a rating given to haggis. 
Those are your options for the Pretty sure the only ratings for Haggis are, is it it Haggis or not Haggis? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's there's Qualtalk, there's Qualtalk Prime. It depends on the marbling. (laughs) Oh, no. If it's marbled, don't eat it. (laughs) I lived in Scotland. I can vouch for this. There's a limit on vein (laughs) diameter around these parts for you to make Qualtalk. Uh, So, Dan, which one of those crazy definitions? I get to go first. (laughs) Is the real definition for Qualtalk? I am going to go with the Irish River Demon. Irish River Demon. Unless this is Joe once again pulling out some mythology. Ooh, mixed nationality with mythological thing. One-eyed, one-horned, Irish purple river (laughs) (laughs) demon. All right, Kathy, what do you think? What was the one after the cemetery by the swamp? A sealskin cloak used by the indigenous people of northern Canada. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the one I was thinking of. What about the one after that? (laughs) That was the first person one encounters after leaving one's home. That one. All right. Uh, Joe. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the coven. I feel like I'm being taken, but uh, I will <laughs> I will go for it. All right. Next up is Quinn. I think I'm also going to go with the coven, mostly because I just would love to join a coven, so. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all just go watch the craft. Oh, yes, Let's the not. craft. Uh, Brian. Hmm. I feel like our mind games have led every single person here to put something spooky. Uh So I'm going for the one that's least spooky and saying the first person you see after leaving one's home. All right. Unless you're in It Follows, in which case it's pretty spooky. The spookiness depends (laughs) on your neighborhood, Brian. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Tiff. All right, I'm going to go with the uh, also with the person because you can't you can't trust all those ancient past time definitions. I don't know. Uh, I I think that they're dubious. Everyone's yeah. in trouble. Old stuff is dumb. Let's right. skip all that. <laughs> Never. Be all it. right. <laughs> all the guesses are in. So uh, let's start with this one. Joe and Quinn both thought that uh, Qualtog was a coven of four witches in 17th century New England. Two points to Brian for that was his answer. <laughs> <laughs> and now when they form that coven, you'll be the first to go. Yes. <laughs> Dan Morin thought that Qualtalk was a river demon from ancient Ireland. Nope, that was Quinn's answer. One point Ooh, to Quinn. Well played, well played. I got a point. Everybody Ding. else, that is Kathy, Brian, and Tiff, thought that a Qualtalk was the first person one encounters after leaving one's home. Either they're right, or I've got 12 points. Which is it? They're right. Yay! A talk is the first person one encounters after leaving one's home. So, you know, when you meet a Qualtalk, make some small talk. Oh. Wow. Yeah, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I totally didn't prepare that. That was, that was, that was actually pretty good. Ah, I thank was you. impressed. All right. Easily impressed is exactly how I like my players. (laughs) So uh, after that disappointing round for me, uh, we have a tie for first. Brian and I both have six points. Uh, Whoa. Six, six. Yeah. (laughs) One more. (laughs) 
<laughs> Slightly behind us is Dan with three points. Uh, Tiff and Kathy are tied with two. And Joe and Quinn each have one point. Woo! So, that means it must be time for round three. And, you know, words are fun, but uh, let's do something oh, a little gosh. different. This is a, this is a round I've decided to call... Voorhees, a jolly good fellow. Uh, I'm sure you're all familiar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I'm sure you're all familiar with the exploits of Jason Voorhees, as chronicled in the classic horror film Friday the 13th and its 639 oh, sequels. Here's how this round works. I'm going to give you the number, the chronological number, of one of Jason's many, many horrible murders. Your job is to describe that kill for me. Give me the capsule oh. description of the kill. For instance, uh, if I said, what about Jason's 26th, 26th kill? Uh, you would, of course, say Jason shoots half-naked Paul in the crotch with a spear gun. Or if I were to request Jason's 63rd kill, you might write something like, Kate is stabbed through the eye with a plastic party horn. Oh, wow. And what better number to use for the Friday the 13th movies than good old Lucky 13? So, players, please describe for me Jason's 13th kill now. I feel like I am at a great disadvantage because I absolutely hate horror movies. No, I'm right so there with I... you, so. Okay, good. I think that's true of every <laughs> single other person on the podcast, so. I love horror movies. Except for Brian. I forgot Brian. Sorry, Brian. It's okay. I invited you to do a horror movie podcast, Steve. Don't you remember? <laughs> I have no recollection of that. Are we required to name the person? You can do whatever you like, to be honest. You know their name. I mean, okay. go for it. <laughs> Those are just two examples. I just wanted to give you something to work from. That's all. Jason Voorhees gives a cop a taco as a form of identification. <laughs> the Not taco really has salmonella. Ooh. <laughs> All of the answers are in. Uh, I asked the players to tell me what, uh, what Jason did for his 13th kill. And this is what they said. Jason drowns Max in a sink full of his friend's blood. Jason hides under a camp cot and shoves his machete through the cot and the person sleeping in it. Jason kills a female co-ed by tripping her face first into a pond and drowning her by standing on her back. Rob is decapitated with garden shears. Pushed from a second-story window onto a pointed iron fence. Brendan encounters the business end of a flaming chainsaw wielded by Jason, who is riding by on a motorcycle, which is also on fire. <laughs> or, Jason impales a biker named Loco through the stomach with a pitchfork. One of those was actually Jason's 13th kill. You guys are sick. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not really sure whether to proceed here or call the authorities, but instead, I'm just gonna back I will away, ask really Kathy, <laughs> which of those was Jason's 13th kill? 
let us, as much as I want to pick the flaming motorcycle of flaming chainsaw death, um, uh-huh. I feel like the 13th kill would be early enough in the first movie. Uh, so I'm going to go with the cot one where he stabs the cot and the guy through the chest with a sharp instrument. Okay. Kathy for the cot. Uh, Joe. So for the cot answer, uh, which mm-hmm. I'm also leaning towards, what, what was the person's name in that one? Uh, only Jason was mentioned in that one. Oh, well, then it can't be that one. The person mm. sleeping in it is how the victim is referred to in that statement. Yeah. Uh, I I will go with drowned in the friend's blood then. All right, sounds delightful. <laughs> Quinn, which is yours? Interesting choice of words. Um, I think I'm gonna go with the one where he drowns someone by standing on them. Okay, Brian. I'm going with stabbing a biker with a um, music review website. Uh, which would be pitchfork i guess yes yes (laughs) all right uh tiff i'm gonna go with the super flamethrower motorcycle extravaganza because i think somebody wrote that deserves a point sure (laughs) handing out points like candy and (laughs) poison candy Ooh. What? No Ooh. one chose that one. Razor blades um, <laughs> I wow, so many, yeah. so many great options. Uh, I will also go with the uh, with the motorcycle guy stabbed with a pitchfork. Okay, poor loco. <laughs> poor, poor loco. <laughs> My favorite drink. Uh. <laughs> Joe's, Joe's reaction so far are my favorite parts of the show <laughs> to the entire episode just sounds of disgust <laughs> alright well all of the answers are in so uh, let's start with this one um, let's see Joe thought that uh, Jason's 13th kill was Jason drowning Max in a sink full of his friend's blood that was Quinn's answer so one point for Quinn Damn, Quinn. That's dark. <laughs> that is really dark. Even as I was writing it, I was like, they're going to judge me for this. Oh, no, it's totally solid. I oh, no, that, that one movie. just came totally naturally. I just pulled that one out. Oh, I've yeah, That's good. Uh, let's see. While we're on the subject of drowning, uh, Quinn thought that Jason killed a female co-ed, co-ed by tripping her face first into a pond and drowning her by standing on her back. That was Kathy's answer. Thank you kindly, my dear. Tripping seemed like a pretty mild way for Jason to kill someone. Well, then he drowns her. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Kathy thought that uh, Jason hiding under a camp cot and shoving his machete through the cot and the person sleeping in it was Jason's 13th kill. I see the head game Brian was trying to play here. That is a kill in the first movie, although it is a arrow as opposed to the machete. So uh, that is, in fact, Brian Hamilton's answer. So a point for Brian for that. And I should also note that uh, that was actually not Jason in that particular kill. but uh, It was yeah, Jason's mother. Okay, oh, Ghostface. No. Spoilers! <laughs> it was Jason's twin brother, Justin! <laughs> All right. Uh, poor Justin uh, Voorhees. So maligned. 
Brian and Dan both thought that Jason's 13th kill was Jason impaling a biker named Loco through the stomach with a pitchfork. In fact, that is Jason's 13th kill. Two points each for Dan and Brian. Which leaves Tiff, who thought that uh, Brendan encounters the business end of a flaming chainsaw wielded by Jason, who is riding by on a motorcycle, which is also on fire, sounded good. It did sound good. And it was Dan's answer, so... Points to Dan for that. I appreciate the point. Point deserved. (laughs) Well done. So after that round, we have a commanding lead from Brian all by himself in first with nine points. Tied for second with six, Dan and I. Uh, In fourth with three points is Kathy. In fifth, tied for fifth with two points each, Tiff and Quinn. And bringing up the rear with a single point is Joe. Go ahead, Joe. Make your noise. There it is. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a that was a thing. Let's uh, let's go back to words for a bit, shall we? Yes, please. All right. And in this case, I think we're going to go with a listener word. Whoopee! This huzzah! This word was provided to us kindly by listener Matthew, and the word he sent along was antitragus. Antitragus, A-N-T-I-T-R-A-G-U-S. Antitragus. Please send me your definitions for antitragus. Now, I don't know what to think. Brian in the lead, nine points. The whole world's upside down. What's going to happen when we get to the crazy round? Uh, New things would be freakish in Shocktober, but I didn't know they would be this freakish. <laughs> all right, all of the definitions are in for Antitragus. And uh, why don't I read them to you? Then you can tell me which one sounds good. Antitragus. Cutting against the grain, as in shaving. The period of time before Caesar's conquest of Gaul. A battle which takes place on horseback. The piece of cartilage just above the earlobe. An incantation from the 13th century used to repel evil spirits. The sharpened tines at the end of a trident. Or a person with an extremely negative outlook. Those are your options for Antitragus. One of those is real. And uh, I think this time I leave it to Joe to tell me first which one of those is the real definition. Tell me, Joe. Uh, hmm. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Sure, I'll just go with the Trident one. Why not? Why not? All right. Uh, Quinn. What was the first one again? Cutting against the grain, as in shaving. Okay, I'm going to go with that one. Okie doke. Brian. Um, I have most theories about this, but I'm going to save them for later, if never at all, and going yeah. for the battle on horseback. Okay. That brings us to Tiff. I'm going to go with the earlobe bits. The earlobe what? The earlobe bits. Earlobe bits. Okay. Next time you're at the movie theater, try some delicious earlobe bits. Earlobe bits. Now in juicy pear. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> there are two in the box. Socktober! Did you say Socktober? <laughs> uh, I do now. Dan, speaking of Socktober, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, repelling demon charm thing. Repelling demon charm. The incantation from the 13th yeah. century used to repel evil spirits. It's not that, but I'm going with it. <laughs> okay, good strategy. <laughs> and Kathy. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just complete uh, the... So you don't get any points, Mr. Steve, and go with a uh, negative outlook. Oh, rude. Oh, man. We're I'm all sorry. Just, we're teaming up on him. And I invite you people into my house on my <laughs> Skype call. You didn't invite you us. Do? We just showed up. You take my... Oh, Shocktober! <laughs> so, Antitragus was the word, and uh, let's see how that all went. Let's start with... Um, well, let's start with Brian. He thought that Antitragus was a battle which takes place on horseback. He was wrong. That was Tiff's answer. Yes, got one. That is number four on my least favorite of your definitions. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke Steve doesn't get. Quinn thought that Antitragus was cutting against the grain as in shaving. That was Dan's answer. Dan, meanwhile, thought that uh, Antitragus was an incantation from the 13th century used to repel evil spirits. In fact, he just gave a point right back to Quinn, so... <laughs> High five! Good teamwork. Maybe with Jason not here, you glom onto somebody else and trade points back and forth. It's, uh, it's worked for you before. <laughs> Joe thought that Antitragus was the sharpened tines at the end of a trident. That was Kathy's answer. Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. You might want to wait till later to thank him because <laughs> you thought that a person with an extremely negative outlook like Joe was an anti-tragus. <laughs> and that was Joe's answer. Right what you know. <laughs> that leaves Tiff, who thought that anti-tragus was the piece of cartilage just above the earlobe... And she was exactly correct. Yes! Oh. It's that little triangular piece that points up. On the other mm. side of the ear canal, mm. there's a thing called the tragus, and it points oh. down. Oh. oh. That's a good one. So the scores have evened out a bit after round four. Uh, Brian still leads with nine points. In second with seven is Dan. Uh, in third with six, still me. In fourth with five, Tiff. In fifth with four, Kathy. Uh, in, good lord, where are we? In fifth. <laughs> I really need to fix this spreadsheet so it lines everything up. In fifth with three is Quinn. In, oh my god, I don't have any idea where we're at. But we'll just say in last with two points is Joe. Did I miss anybody? Good. Okay. <laughs> so um, after round four, the logical next step would probably be round five. And for round five... Your word is Hady Haria. Hady Haria. That is spelled H A D E H A 
H-A-R-R-I-A. Hady Haria. Please send me your definitions for Hady Haria at your earliest convenience. By which I mean now. <laughs> well, I thought Brian was going to run away with it. But, uh... Got Back to my old losing ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you aren't quite there yet. You're still in the lead by two points. Once I achieve success, I don't know what to do with it and then just flub it up. Yeah. Which <laughs> is totally not true in any other part of my life. What? No. <laughs> also, I should note the next two closest players on your heels are Dan and I, so you really don't have much to worry about for a rounder. <laughs> All right, all of the definitions are now in for the word Haiti Haria. I shall now read them. Listen up. Haiti Haria, a predatory bird which feeds on human flesh. Constant use of the word hell. A token used to repel the memories of cohorts killed in battle. A form of possession by a lesser demon. A book bound in human skin. A traditional Ethiopian dish consisting of beef, chili powder, and lentils. Or a Japanese fish known for its shiny scales and dark eyes. Those are the definitions for Haiti Haria. One of them is real, the rest of them are crap. So, first up to tell me which is which is Quinn. What do you I think, would like, Quinn? Uh, I would like the book Bound with Human Skin, please. <laughs> yeah, but what's like your that? choice? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Brian. I would like one token, please, to insert into a Pac-Man machine and to also forget my friends who died. Wait, to forget your friends who died? Yeah, it's prevent memories of your fallen cohorts in battle, right, Steve? A token used to repel the memories of cohorts killed wow. in battle. Dings. I didn't really think that one through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tiff. Uh, the lesser demon possession. Okay. The less tasty demon possession. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Modern more filling. Possession. More That's filling. Right. Dan. Uh, I would like the constant use of the word hell. You got it, dude. Mm. Uh, hell yeah. Kathy. Uh, I would also like to purchase a book wrapped in human skin, please, Steve. Okay, sure. <laughs> and Joe. What the hell? Let's go for hell. Why don't we? All right. So let's start with that one. Dan and Joe both thought Haiti Harriet was the constant use of the word hell. Hell yeah, it is. That is the definition for Haiti Haria. Wow. So two points each to Dan and Joe. Brian thought that Haiti Haria was a token used to repel the memories of cohorts killed in battle. Nope, that was Kathy's answer. Thank you. <laughs> Tiff thought that Haiti Haria was a form of possession by a lesser demon. That was a possession of Joe Rosensteel. The lesser that's, demon. That's himself. the... Uh... That's the collective noun for many Joe Rosensteels. <laughs> <laughs> and that leaves Quinn and Kathy, who both thought that Haiti Haria was a book bound in human skin. 
And that was Dan's answer. So more points to Dan. Oh, boy, that means Dan has moved into the lead with 11 points after round five. Fleshbound Catagonian Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's book two. Uh, following in second with nine points is Brian Hamilton. He's holding steady at the moment. In third with six is me. Uh, tied, three-way tie for fourth with five points each. It's Tiff, Kathy, and Joe. In last place with three, it's Quinn. But things can turn around fast here, so don't give up. This Plus is going about as well as I expected. <laughs> 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 is it mediocre enough for you? Maybe a little too mediocre. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. Uh, words, are, words are all right, I guess. But I, let's try something else. Let's do something different. I want to shake things up here. Let's do a round that I call R.L. Stein Island. I have goosebumps. This round, uh, it's fairly simple. I went to the bookstore and selected one of the five million Goosebumps books at random from the shelf. I'm going to read you the title and the blurb from the back of the book. You are going to write for me the first sentence of the book. <laughs> Got it? Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The excitement is tangible. <laughs> I'm so Everyone excited. loves it. So, uh, the title of this particular Goosebumps book is Say Cheese and Die. I've read that. <laughs> I've read this. I've read this one too. <laughs> okay. Exclamation mark at the end, by the way, in case you were wondering. Oh, so, God, I've read so many of these books. Yes. The blurb on the back of the book goes like this. Every picture tells a story, it says in large text. Greg thinks there is something wrong with the old camera he and his friends found. The photographs keep turning out wrong. Very wrong. Like the snapshot Greg took of his father's new car that shows it totaled. And then Greg's father is in a nasty wreck. But Greg's friends don't believe him. Sherry even makes Greg bring the camera to her birthday party and take her picture. Only Sherry's not in the photograph when it develops. Is dun, Sherry dun, about to be taken out of the picture permanently? <laughs> oh, wow. Who is going to take the next fall for... Dot, 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 the evil camera. <laughs> That's your blurb for Say Cheese and Die. Please send me the first line of that book now. There's Say Cheese and Die... Again, I wish I was making that up. Yes, and there I think is a third sequel, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> the third sequel is called "Break the Frickin' Camera Already." <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe it's "Say Cheese and Die Screaming." <laughs> oh my God! Wow, that guy found—he really found a way to milk it. He did. He's a genius. All right, I asked you all to tell me what the first line of the book "Say Cheese." And die. Uh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I talk good. Anyway, you did. You wrote me those first lines, and now I have them. I guess I'll read them to you. So, one of these is the real first line of Say Cheese and Die. What do they look like? What do they look like? Josie shouted as Greg exited the one hour photo. 
There's nothing to do in Pitt's Landing, Michael Warner said, his hands shoved into the pockets of his faded denim cutoffs. Let's check out that old barn today after school, Greg suggested to his friends during lunch. Greg never expected that an ordinary camera could go so terribly wrong. <laughs> Greg was a sweaty mess from his run to school, nearly out of breath because his father refused to drive him. This thing must be a million years old, exclaimed Greg, wiping the fudgy layer of dust from the moldering leather case. Or, Greg and his friends enjoyed exploring the old Myers house at the end of the lane. All right, one of those is the real first line of Say Cheese and Die. And uh, the first person who has to guess which is which is Brian. Oh, no. Please don't. Yeah. Please don't. <laughs> hmm. I just does what the spreadsheet tells me. Greg never expected that an ordinary camera could go so terribly wrong, is what I'm going with. Okay. Sounds as good as any of them. Tiff. I'm going to go with that last one. What was that? What was the name of the lane? Uh, Greg and his friends enjoyed exploring the old Myers house at the end of the lane. Just the lane? At the end of the lane. Uh, right next to the ocean. It's, yeah, it's the lane. Capital T, the... They wouldn't, I'm trying to go with reading level here. I think one of them is too many, you know, larger words. <laughs> reading is good. <laughs> uh, and what was the one that Brian just picked? See Greg find camera. See camera take crazy pictures. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> I'm going to go with the same one Brian picked. Okay. Punting is what we call that. Actually, no. No. Take me back to the lane. <laughs> <laughs> flailing is what we call that alright back to the lane with you Tiff and uh, let's move on to Dan before she oh, changes man. her mind again I was going to pick the lane thing but Tiff's now got me thinking oh, my God. in circles uh, no I'm going to stick with it take me take me to the lane as well take you to the lane alright dude next up is Kathy can I hear the moldering one <clears throat> sure this thing must be a million years old, exclaimed Greg, wiping the fudgy layer of dust from the moldering leather case. Okay, I think I would like to go with that one. All right. Joe, what do you think? I feel like moldering is maybe a total, like, Dan thing, so it feels like a trap, but I'm going to go with it anyway. All right. <laughs> Falling into Dan's moldering trap. <laughs> Ew. Awkward. <laughs> and uh, Quinn. I'm going to go with Greg talking to his friends at lunch. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Let's see. Let's check out that old barn today after school Greg suggested to his friends during lunch. Yes, that one. All right. So Tiff and Dan both thought that uh, the first line of Say Cheese and Die was Greg and his friends enjoyed exploring the old Myers house at the end of the lane. In fact, Kathy Campbell wrote that one, not R.L. Stein. So two points for Kathy. Should have named the Thank lane. You. you would have had a solid mm -hmm. one there. I know. Yeah, she still, still got, got two us. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kathy and Joe both thought that this thing must be a million years old, exclaimed Greg, 
wiping the fudgy layer of dust from the moldering leather case. Joe fixated on moldering. I I was going fudgy, frankly, on the what the hell <laughs> factor. But uh, either way, that was Dan Morin's answer. You were absolutely right. <laughs> uh, the Dan Trap is my favorite episode of classic Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Uh, Brian thought that Greg never expected that an ordinary camera could go so terribly wrong. Sounded good. And it sounded good because Quinn is a very good writer. Good job, Quinn. Quinn, you got come it. on. <clears throat> Thank you for the points. <laughs> Quinn, meanwhile, thought, let's check out that old barn today after school, Greg suggested to his friends during lunch, was the first line. But no, Tiffany Arment wrote that. Does that mean... What does that mean? It means oh, no. that nobody correctly guessed oh, another no. six for the host. The first line of Say Cheese and Die, which is this. There's nothing to do in Pitt's Landing, my oh, said. His hands yeah. shoved into Darn the pockets it. of his faded denim cutoffs. Oh, oh. So nobody got that, which means six more points oh, for dear. me. Uh, let's see. Gone. Also, nobody uh, bid on Brian's, what do they look like? What do they look like? Josie shouted as Greg exited the one-hour photo. Uh, or Joe's, Greg was a sweaty mess from his run to school, <laughs> nearly out of breath because his father refused to drive him. Joe, do you want to talk? <laughs> it's, got a little, it's got a little dark. That's he for a book a about a haunted camera. Too, but I didn't say it because I thought it would break the flow. So, anywho, uh, wow, Dan, look at you, all alone in the lead with 13. Spooky points. Very good, Dan. Mm-hmm. Spookiest of scores. But uh, nipping at your heels with 12 points, it's me. Arf, arf, arf. Oh, dear. And I'm dangerously <laughs> close to the win. All it takes is one more round of you guys not guessing the correct answer. And uh, we have the spookiest result of all. In third place with nine. Yeah, he's languishing, folks. It's what he does. Brian Hamilton. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> In fourth place with seven points is Kathy. Uh, In fifth place with six is Tiff. Uh, In uh, sixth place with five is Joe. And in last with four, it's Quinn. But uh, you guys are all clumped up in the back there. Anybody could be in the basement at any time. Round seven could change it all. And, oh, looky here, it's round seven. That means it's... The creepy round, where creepy things could happen. Chain rattle, chain rattle. It's the creepy round, the creepiest round of all. And uh, the word for the creepy round, this time out, is truggle. Truggle. (laughs) Oh, Star Trek had some trouble with those. (laughs) (laughs) Trouble with... T-R-U-G-G-E-L. Truggle. Please send me your definitions for the word truggle now. All right, all the definitions are in for round seven. Truggle. Let's read them. No, no, that's not me. I don't know. Wait, that doesn't sound like me. Yeah, I was like, who was going with this? That's not stopping. You know what that is? Cheat to win, Brian. That's that's creepy. That's (laughs) creepy creepy right there. All right, thank goodness all of the definitions are in for the word truggle, which was our creepy round word. Ooh. So let's uh, let's hear those definitions now. I and, forgot um, it was the creepy round. Yeah. Ugh. How could you forget? Pack it in. All right. 
These are the options you have to choose from as definitions for the word truggle. A medical implement used in dissections during the 18th century. The name of the inner lining of a high-end coffin. A troll that lives exclusively off of carrion and festering human remains. A superstition involving a bridge troll. The act of digging up recently buried corpses to steal their jewels. A type of ghost in Prague mythology that haunts fires and kitchens. Or a small wooden pig strough. Those are your options for the word truggle. And as it is round seven, we have now gone back around to the top of the lineup. So Tiff is the first to guess. What do you think, Tiff? Ugh, I'm really struggling with this one. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the Grave Diggers because it's the creepy round. Ooh, creepy <laughs> round. Now, why is saying she a Grave Digger? <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, wow. <laughs> bloop. Dan. Uh, God. What, what troubles you, my friend? Oh, this entire round troubles me, Steve. Um, I'm going to go with the lining of the coffin. All right. You know, I feel like I'm being baited into picking something creepy. You got struggles down here in Honeytown. <laughs> it's struggle right here in River City. Struggle is my middle name. Kathy, what do you I'm- think? Uh, I think that that is not your middle name, Steve. It is. Uh, but I, I wouldn't make something like that up. <laughs> I would like to believe that it is the troll that lives on Carrion. Okie doke. Carrion troll for you, Joe. Uh, I was leaning towards the <laughs> the check thing, Prague stuff, but it seemed too specific. I'll go with the the grave robbing. Grave robbing. All right. Okay, Quinn. Truggle with a capital T that rhymes with C that stands for coffin. The coffin lining one. (laughs) (laughs) See how you got there. (laughs) Brian, what's a truggle? (laughs) (laughs) Brian? Hey, hey, Brian, no pressure. You were in the lead and now you're not. But if you pick the right one, you might go back to the lead. Pig's trough. I'm doing the pig's trough. <laughs> the pig's trough? Yes, that, that's super creepy, Brian. <laughs> okay. So that's your answer? The pig's trough? Yes, that's the pig's trough. All right. Struggle is his business. All right. All of the votes are in. So uh, what exactly happened there? Well, Dan and Quinn both thought that uh, Truggle was the name of the inner lining of a high-end coffin. Nope, that was Brian's answer, so two points for Brian. <sighs> Kathy thought Truggle was a troll that lives exclusively off of carrion and festering human remains. That was actually Joe Rosenstiel's answer, so a point for <sighs> Joe. Joe! Sorry. Tiff and Joe, meanwhile, both thought that the act of digging up recently buried corpses to steal their jewels was Truggle. No, that was Kathy's answer, so two points for Kathy. And that leaves four answers Brian had to choose from. 
<laughs> and he went with a small wooden pig's trough. If he's wrong, I win. But he's right. Oh, that wasn't spooky at all. That's the, nobody, that was the trick. That's the trick. Yep. Creepy stuff would has to happen in the creepy round. It just might. Ugh. Boo. So <laughs> you're booing me, but you should be lifting Brian up on your shoulders right now and carrying him around the room because at the last minute he saved all <laughs> Thank of your you, butts. Brian. All okay, of your fine. butts saved in the creepy round. <laughs> Good old so giggle nice pants creepy. over here saved us. <laughs> yeah. What does that and say that, about us? <laughs> Brian moves into a 13-point tie for the lead with Dan. He's back up there, folks. Good going, Brian. Uh, in third place with 12, I'm still holding steady. In fourth with nine is Kathy. In fifth with six, tied for, tied for fifth with six points each, it's Tiff and Joe. In last place is Quinn, but I feel like she's about to make her move. She's just biding her time. So uh, round eight could be huge. We'll just have to see. I'm glad you have that much faith in me. All right. So on to round eight, which is just a regular old round. It's not creepy like that last one. And the word for round eight is gongoozler. Gongoozler. <laughs> gongoozler. What is gongoozler? G-O-N-G-O-O-Z-L-E-R. Gongoozler. Will you please send me some definitions for this silly word, gongoozler? Now. Gongoozler. I can't believe I didn't... Uh, <laughs> every, word, every word. All words come back to Moon River. Mm. Or Goldfinger. Yeah, I was thinking Goldfinger, yeah. Yep. He's the, the gong. The goozle touch. The gong with a goozle touch. There's some sort of a thesis to be written on whether you hear Goldfinger or Moon River when somebody says, Gong Goozler. It's probably a pretty short thesis, actually. Uh, I bet you could stretch it out. Sounds like just a Twitter poll. Yeah. That's how, in the future, all, all theses will be Twitter polls. Okay. All of the definitions are in, such as they are, for Gong Goozler. That's right, the word was gongoozler, and these are the definitions I got. Now you're stuck with them. Enjoy them. Gongoozler, a person who enjoys watching activity on canals. (laughs) (laughs) That goes along with lake tourism, doesn't it? (laughs) The lock and belter gongoozler. A person who arrives at an event... Already drunk. (laughs) Good. A mountaineering tent made of brightly colored fabric to stand out in a blizzard. A fish-shaped jug that makes glugging sounds when pouring liquid. (laughs) (laughs) A slang word for con artists in the 60s. One who gongoozles. (laughs) nailed it (laughs) or a sequence of events that should end in disaster but instead works out in one's favor so those are your options for a gong goozler some of you have given up others soldier on (laughs) unimpeded (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, leading off for round eight is Dan Morin. Dan. Great. Gone goozle me, dude. Uh, not in public, Steve. Jeez. <laughs> um, wow, there's just so many good answers, I think, is the problem. Yes. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with someone who shows up drunk to a party. All right. Because they sound like a fun person to go with. Yeah. Kathy. Okay, I would like to go with the jug that glugs. A jug what glugs. Okay. Joe. Uh, I should have been a gongoozler. I'm going to go with the, the drunk. All right. Sounds good. Quinn. As much as I would like to pick one who gongoogles, um, I'm going to go with the sequence of events one. Okay. Brian? Quinn, it's you and me. We're uh, we're both going with a sequence of unfortunate events. And Tiff? I was also going to go with sequence of events. Now I'm so scared. Go. Yes, that's it. Shocktober. But I'm scared because it's Shocktober. So you're going with that one too? Yes. Shocktober. All right. You never uh, know. So all of the guesses are in. Let's see what happened there. Dan and Joe both thought that a gongoozler was a person who arrives at an event already drunk. Nope, that was Kathy's answer. Kathy, on the other hand, thought that a gongoozler was a fish-shaped jug that makes glugging sounds when pouring liquid. I'm sure there is a word for that, but it's not gongoozler. This was Tiff's uh, answer. Drat. <laughs> I have to give an amazing amount of kudos for that answer because it made me laugh. <laughs> that leaves three of you, all three of you, in spite of the fact that I am one wrong answer away Son from 18 points. Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> thought that a gongoozler was a sequence of events that should end in disaster, but instead works out in one's favor. That was Dan Morin's answer. No! No! What is happening? I guess this is an anti-gongoozler. <laughs> or Steve's So that means that I... Wait, wait. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm hearing from my scorekeeper an executive decision has been made. I'm being docked one point for being too awesome. Hey, I got a cop to it. I got a cop to it. So given that, that means that uh, I lead, but I only have 17 points. I was really hoping that it was going to be over, but I guess we can keep going. Really, Joe? Because I couldn't tell from your answer of one who gongoozled. <laughs> you all thought it was me. I know it was not. I wanted to pick that, too. I did. Yes. What that means is I'm giving you one more chance because I don't want it to end this way. It's too depressing. So... <laughs> But but wait, what was the right answer? Oh yeah, we got to do that part, don't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The right answer was a person who enjoys watching activity on canals. Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! Yeah. Oh. oh my god! I made fun of it because it sounded like afraid. a gondola. I, I I swear I had heard that word too, but none uh, of them sounded familiar. It's a gondola oogler. Is that that's why? <laughs> no, that's a gondugler, Tim. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is basically like the the watercraft equivalent to, to train spotting. Or a Lockenvelder. So I have to assume that uh, that 
I, I didn't. I deliberately did not use this word on a uh, around when we had a bunch of British people because I suspect that's something that the British folk know. Not a lot of canals on this side of the pond. No. There's, there's but, a few. Uh, anyway, there's few. That, was, that was your answer. So uh, you know what? I've got 17 <sighs> points in the lead. One more failure on your part, though, and uh, I will not be so merciful. Uh, in second place, with 16 points, is Dan. He is within striking distance of the win. In third place, with 13, is Brian. In fourth, with 11, is Kathy. In fifth, with seven, is Tiff. In sixth, with six, it's Joe. Uh, and in last, with four, it's Quinn. You can just Come stop reading trail, my though. total. Come back, trail. <laughs> I can't. It's, it's in my programming. <laughs> Beep boop. All right, so we soldier on. And, uh, you know, let's do something a little different for round nine. I promised you spooky Shocktober shenanigans. And what could be spookier or shenaniganier than a visit from Florida Man? Yay! Yay! Yes, if people are up to shenanigans or you need somebody to stand out in a hurricane with no shirt and wave the American flag... (laughs) Florida man is there. All right. So uh, here's what Florida man's been up to lately. According to WESH-TV in Orlando, on July 28, 2016, Florida man was picked up by sheriff's deputies on a street in Deltona, Florida, for engaging in a decidedly spooky activity. I want you to tell me what Florida man was doing that led to his arrest. So, tell me what spooky thing Florida Man was up to. Now. Was there a date for this? Yes, July 28th, 2016. Okay. Just a few short months ago. Do you keep an internal catalog of dates and times that Florida Man got up to something, Joe? Is that why you're asking? No, I just, you know, sometimes there's something seasonal. Oh, sure. It's Florida, though. They don't have seasons. Yeah, but, you know, December, maybe it's something that he did with a Santa Claus lawn ornament or something. There's, 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 you got to plan ahead what, for this kind of stuff. What might that be? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll leave that to everyone's imagination. Oh, boy, you don't want to do that. You know where I'm going to go with that. Okay. All of your answers are in... I asked you to tell me what exactly Florida Man got up to, some sort of spooky activity, on July 28th, 2016, that ended up in his arrest. And these are the things that you told me that Florida Man was doing. Streaking while wearing a Trump mask. Florida Man was picked up while out walking his taxidermied cat. Florida man was found inebriated and naked in the parking lot of the Deltona Pinch-A-Penny Pool Supply Store. Wearing a sheet over his head and chasing people around yelling boo. (laughs) Chasing ghosts with a machete while high on molly. Was arrested after found dragging a half dozen taxidermy dogs around the streets. He told the officer (laughs) they needed some fresh air. (laughs) or he spray painted a giant Ouija board in a shopping mall parking lot 
Oh, these are all so good. <laughs> Those are your options for the spooky activities. So of good. Florida Man. It's getting an early start on Halloween in July. And uh, the first to select from amongst those options is Kathy Campbell. So, so many. Like, just so many good ones. Uh, so we're going to go with the Chasing Ghosts with the Machete, I think it was. Okay. Chasing Ghosts with a Machete while high on Molly. That one. Okay. Uh, Joe. Uh, there are two taxidermy answers, and it's amazing to me that that has happened. Uh, I wasn't going to go with the first one, because that seemed too incredulous, but then when I heard the one about the dogs, I was like, that's that's the one for me. So I'm going with the, the, the number of dogs, the many of them. So you're a dog person, is what you're saying? No, not really. I just oh. I appreciate the quantity of them. Okay. <laughs> so you're a, a You prefer them dead? Eh, it's a little extreme. Uh, Quinn. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I'll go with the other taxidermy answer, the taxidermy cat. Taxidermy cat. All right, Brian. Oh, God. I'm going with uh, scaring people with a sheet on his head and yelling, boo. All right. Tiff. I think I'm going to go with the taxidermy cat because walking a cat is just madness. Steve may win. I walk... My two cats daily. Madness. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Dan. I'm going to go with the taxidermy dogs. Going with the taxidermy dogs, sure. People love that taxidermy. All right. All of the answers are in. So let's see what happened in round nine. Uh, Let's start with that last one. Joe and Dan both thought... Uh, that uh, Florida man was arrested after being found dragging a half dozen taxidermy dogs around the streets. He told the officer they needed some fresh air. That was Tiff's answer. (laughs) (laughs) Take a good, long, hard look in a mirror, Tiff. (laughs) (laughs) But it's totally within the charter of Florida man. He would absolutely do that. So a very good answer. Uh, Brian, meanwhile, thought the Florida man was wearing a sheet over his head and chasing people around yelling boo. That was Quinn's answer, so one point for Quinn. Uh. Meanwhile, Kathy thought that Florida man was chasing ghosts with a machete whilst high on Molly. And she is absolutely right. He was chasing (laughs) ghosts with a machete. Whoa! And also, quite possibly, his live-in girlfriend, Florida woman, who was also high on Molly at the time. But we, uh, we don't need to mention they, that. Part. They seem like a nice couple. Yeah, they do. They seem <laughs> they do fun. things together. That's dark. <laughs> Very productive. Similar interests, right? That's important in, in, in a relationship. So that uh, shatters my hopes and dreams by being the correct answer. And that leaves uh, Quinn and Tiff, who both thought that Florida man was picked up while out walking his taxidermied cat. When, in fact, that was Dan Morin's answer, no! giving him two points, which means that Dan wins uh, the very special I've... Shocktober episode of Low Definition with 18 points. Congratulations, Dan Morin. Yay! Thank you, thank you. 
I almost wrote dog instead of cat. I had oh, it in I there and I changed it back to cat. Walking uh, taxidermied animals. <laughs> who knows how that would have been voting in the end. I would have had to combine those two more than likely and then who knows what would happen. Mm, but, mm, uh, I'm glad I stuck, with, I stuck with cat for the exact reason that Tiff picked it, which is that walking a cat already seemed kind of possibly within the realm of Florida Man. Sorry, cat. <laughs> there you go. There you go. For whatever absurd reason you chose to go with Cat, you end up winning the game with 18 points after nine rounds. Uh, in second place with 17 points, me. Oh, I was so close. So close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> could have been I a could almost seat. taste it. In third place, tied for third with 13 points each, it's Kathy and Brian. In fifth place with nine points, it's Tiff. Soundly mediocre. With six, it's Joe. And Quinn pulled out one more in the last round. She ended up with five. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, kind of how tonight went. Good job, everybody. Hooray! Yay. Round of applause Yay. for all of you. Hey, I want to thank all of my players, Tiff, Dan, Kathy, Joe, Quinn, and Brian. Thank you so much for joining me tonight for this very spooky episode of Low Definition. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can. We are at LowDefGS. The GS stands for Graveyard Smash. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we also have an email account. That's lowdefgs at gmail.com. If you want to send us uh, suggestions for words or round ideas, please send them there. Our shifty contestants will read them if you send them on Twitter, so don't do that. Uh, and so that's it for the special Shocktober edition of Low Definition. Thanks for listening. And until we meet again, remember, October spelled backwards is Robotco. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry back. Hurry back.